Have you ever wanted to meet your favorite professional athlete? Packers stars of yesterday and today, including Devontae Adams, Amon Green, Jair Alexander, Antonio Freeman, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams are all available for bookings right now. Mayfield Sports specializes in these special moments between fans and their favorite professional athletes. Head over to MayfieldSportsMarketing.com to see the full list of available athletes to book your favorite professional athlete at your next event. Welcome to the Game on Fantasy Podcast with your hosts, Tyler Grezegorik and Gage Bridgeford. Welcome back to the Game On Fantasy Podcast. Uh, as our intro always has you covered, uh, my name is Tyler Grezegorik and this is Gage Bridgeford uh, joining me today to talk week 14. We are getting so close to the end of this 2020 season. We were just talking offline about how we're going to start to talk about 2021 content as we begin to look back at 2020 and look forward to 2021. Uh, It's going to be a really exciting couple of weeks here as we begin to wrap up the 2020 season. Hopefully uh, you're still alive in your fantasy playoffs and your fantasy matchups and we'll get to see you on Sunday morning uh, because that would be awesome to see all the same names coming back on Sunday morning. So uh gage how how are you doing in your playoff matchups this week um if i remember correctly i think um in the leagues i actually made the playoffs there were a couple i missed such as like our 14 team pack a day league i came up short there i had a couple of first round buys i won a couple i think i have one league where i snuck in at like i'm below 500 but i snuck into the playoff bracket somehow i'm gonna get whitewashed there but that was expected i wasn't supposed to make the playoffs in the first place so I think I've done pretty well. I think I'm going to go nearly undefeated in the playoffs. I think I have like one or two matchups where I'm going to come up a bit short. Uh, yeah, for my playoff teams, I'm still alive with all of them. So uh, I think it's about – All right, we 50%. get it. You're the talented one. We get it. <laughs> about 50% of my leagues, I made the playoffs, and they're all still alive currently. So keeping my fingers crossed there, including Scott Fishbowl. I should make the cut there as well and on to week 15. So uh, in the semifinals for Scott Fishbowl, which I'm – Pretty, pretty proud of myself for. Uh, anyway, so uh, Austin Eckler came back at the right time is really booing me there with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has carried me all year long along with Russell Derrick Wilson. Derrick Henry is the man. He and, is the playoff man. And then Calvin Ridley. You know, my team is pretty good. Maybe I'll share it on social media some other day so I can so you can see the team I built up uh, over there for Scott Fishbowl. But uh, we're not here to talk about our matchups. We're here to talk about your matchups. And we're here to talk about the, uh, the Week 14 matchups and what they possibly could have brought you. Uh, did Christmas come early or did you get a lump of coal? That's really what we're here to talk about today. So hopefully you, hopefully Christmas came early for you and you were able to hit on some of these matchups. If you had, if you played against Derrick Henry, I apologize. Uh, you probably didn't win this week, but <laughs> there's always next year. No. So uh, <laughs> there, there definitely were some uh, really, really boom performances this week and then there was uh there was a lot of 
actually, there, there's a lot of really good news to come out of this week. Not a, not a ton of duds, I don't think. Uh, there's definitely a couple I have in mind that we'll get into. But uh, as we did last week, this this episode is going to kind of transition into more of a rapid fire. Let's get through the games. Let's talk about the important things uh, because the season outlook is down to two weeks now. Only weeks 15 and 16, uh, and we want to set we you know save your uh, save your ears and your eyes for the content on Thursday and Sunday because that's where the most important uh, bits of information is going to come from us. So let's get started with this Texans Bears game. Uh, this was a blowout. Uh, there's not much to add here. I mean, Mitch Trubisky actually looked solid in this game again. I think this is the second week in a row he's done that. Silently. Third week. Third week. Very silently, he is QB 10 since he took over. In the last three games, he is fantasy QB 10. Yeah, and there were there were a couple plays I've seen the throw uh, that he made to Cole Komet. It's been it's been kind of going all over Twitter uh, recently. That I saw that throw live, and I looked to my wife, and I was like, "That was an elite throw. That was an elite level throw that he made on he that play." Looked, he looked good. I watched. I think just I think I watched just about this entire game. Like despite it being a blowout, I had this game on all day uh, because I really wanted to see Trubisky and see what this team could do against in a outstanding matchup. And I thought he looked awesome. Uh, I thought Cole Komet looked good. Uh, I think that there was some flashes. There was opportunities he could have had, like could have had better, like better chances. He definitely could have had a chance to score. He had a one on him and Jimmy Graham both had one on one matchups in the red zone. Mitch Trubisky threw it to double covered Allen Robinson, who scored. In fairness, but it's like you got two six five guys on the other side who are both one on one with corners, but yeah, throw it to your double covered wide receiver. So Yeah, and this was yeah. a weird game from a game script perspective because this was a this is a game script where you would you would have expected David Montgomery to have twenty, twenty five carries and he had eleven. He had eleven carries for 113 yards. Obviously, the big score that everybody's talking about. But I mean, still a really good day from David Montgomery. He added three for forty two in the air. Uh just a solid day from Montgomery, and this is the third it week in a row. Montgomery was a very common topic on Twitter this morning. I don't know if you saw, but there was a lot of discussion about it because there was a couple of people that said, the old, oh, well, if he didn't have the 80-yard run to start, he would have just had this. And it's like, yeah, but that's a it's a dig at Nagy. It wasn't a dig at Monty because I talked to a couple of people who said the same thing. And some people are like, well, you dig people were taking a shot at Montgomery. No, they're taking a shot at Nagy not getting into Baltimore. Monty, when he didn't get hit in the backfield, looked really good. And he's been he's been good for one big run a week the last few weeks. So uh, he's he's producing. Uh, he's finally I think starting to come into his own in this offense. They're start they're starting to finally figure out how to get him the ball. So hopefully this is the sign of a positive swing for him going into 2021. And hopefully he can end your 2020 season on a bang and get you that championship that you wanted. Uh, because you've probably drafted him maybe the fifth or sixth round, seventh round depending on your on your league. Uh, and you probably have him as an RB two, so you're 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 more than happy with him to get ten to fifteen points. And if he can put up twenty point weeks consistently, you're gonna be you're gonna be in a good spot there. Uh, otherwise, it's an Allen Robinson show. I mean, not not much else to talk about. Jimmy Graham poached a touchdown in the red zone, uh, doing things that he should have done in Green Bay, but he's only doing them in Chicago for some reason. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball. Kiki QT saved his day with a touchdown, but otherwise this this wide receiver group was just absolutely pedestrian. Deshaun Watson uh, overall struggled in this game. I know the stat line is not terrible, 21 of 32, 19 in a score, but this offense was just 
This offense was Nearly bottled ran up. He in for a touchdown as well. He did. His, he, he did. But this offense was bottled up for the most part, and you know the Bears' defense kind of returned to form after a few bad weeks. So uh, not much to say here about the Texans. I think we know who they are. They're not a good team. Uh, and when there's no wide receivers there, Deshaun Watson's kind of unplayable. Uh, maybe the Bears' matchup, uh, the Bears' defensive matchup here, made that more of a glaring hole than it really is but the the fact remains that the texans offense was pedestrian all around just uh david johnson's going back on ir if, he, if we didn't talk about that last week he went, he went back on ir before the game but uh duke johnson's gonna be the guy here he didn't do much either uh i mean he had two for 53 he had a big screenplay that he got but uh, like i said just not much to like from the texans offense uh what else do you have to add about about this game on either side uh, the only thing I have left to add about this game, from a da- dynasty dynasty perspective, go buy Cole Komet. Tight end is such a barren wasteland, and it doesn't take much to have value. Cole Komet is dirt cheap, and tight end is a position that has a slow learning curve. And I understand there's people who are like, oh, well, Kyle Pitts and uh, Pat Fryermuth and Brevin Jordan, those guys are coming in. We'll talk more about them as the, po- as the offseason goes on, getting a draft and dynasty coverage. But Cole Komet, I think, has the talent to really be a solid piece in the NFL for a long time. I like his size. He's got decent athleticism. Like I said, he would have had a touchdown if Mitch looks his way instead of looking to his left. Like if the first read is to the right side of the field, Cole had an easy touchdown. Um, Also, the Bears need to redesign their stadium and fix the direction that it faces because Jordan Akins should have had a touchdown. Did you see the play that I'm referencing? I felt bad for him. And, and, And he got dogged. People were like, wow, didn't know Deontay Johnson was playing in two games. It's no, you go out there, you try and catch a ball. His hands were on the right side of his body. The ball hit him on the left side. He had no clue where the ball was because the sun was in his eyes. It's just, it's poorly designed and it happens way too much. There's way too many stadiums that have it. I hate that Dallas has the same issue. You know which way the sun is. This isn't new. If you're going to have windows or you're going to have gaps into your stadium, plan that out for the sun. Come on. <laughs> well, yet another reason to rag on the Bears. Uh, but let's move from one blowout to another. Uh, let's go to Dallas and Cincinnati here. Dallas walks away from this one with 30, winning 30-7. to seven. Uh, They showed some life defensively. Uh, the offense was still pretty... Uh, pretty average in this game. Uh, Zeke Elliott did not have the performance I thought he could. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that he might struggle in this game, and he did end up struggling. Uh, maybe not even considered a struggle. He's just not getting the workload. I think Mike McCarthy uh, is, is doing his best impression right now and of himself, by the way. Tony Pollard, uh, 11 carries for 39 yards to Zeke's 12 for 48. So uh, Zeke is still the better player here, but he's just not getting the work like he used to. Um, Amari Cooper had a decent day, four for fifty-one on the score. Uh, CD Lamb only had two for forty-six on two targets, but he had a, I, I had a couple of nice routes that I saw come out on the uh, on the Twitter sphere. Uh, he, this guy is going to be uh, bursting out of the scene next year as a very very strong wide receiver candidate uh, for a year two jump. Uh, Michael Gallup had six targets in this game, two for twenty-three. Uh, not much else to talk about here on the Cowboys side. On the Bengals side, there's even less to talk about other than the receivers kind of came back to life. Yeah, they did. Uh, six for sixty-two and a score out of AJ Green on seven targets because we all knew that was going to happen. AJ Green hasn't done anything in two months, and of course, he does something today. Uh, T. Higgins had 5 for 49 on 8 targets. Tyler Boyd, 5 for 43 on 9. It's clear those three are still the three guys. A.J. Green seeing as much work as he did stunned me. I made no sense. When I saw that he caught the touchdown, I was even more confused. 
Cincinnati until Joe Burrow comes back. I don't really want any part of it, but I do. Li- but I do think T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are good pieces. If you can get like if you, let's say your league still has trades available, like and I'm talking dynasty here. If your league still has trades available, go put out a feeler for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. You're probably not going to be able to get them for a decent price, but just put out feelers. You might be getting a contender that's like I need a piece to help me now, and maybe you have and maybe you have a piece that is a right now contender, but not a next year contender type of thing. Um, that's where I stand there. Also, for those that I called to play Giovanni Bernard, I want to say I was wrong, but no, Giovanni Bernard had hit. Hold on, had his first fumble in 800 touches. His first fumble in six years. Zach Taylor was coaching college, or was a was like a quarterbacks coach in Miami six years ago, and. Giovanni Bernard has one fumble and then just gets yanked from the game, and we don't see him again for, like, three quarters. So for that, I'm sorry. But, Zach Taylor, what do you want? What do you, what do you want? You're going to go ahead and yank him for that? What? Why? This I mean, is it's not like to- he was performing at an, like, at an excellent rate. Like, he was, he was average. And so if you're going to be average and you're going to be dropping the ball too, like, I get it. Like, it makes one sense. One fumble in six years and you're going to say he's dropping the ball? I'm just saying he wasn't that good. You're just saying he wasn't that he good. Was, so. He wasn't. I'm just saying that, that 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 bunching him for that doesn't make sense. You want to say, you know what, we're going to go with a different direction this week. It's similar to the issue I took with earlier this year when Chicago benched Mitch Trubisky for Nick Foles after Mitch threw that one pick. It's like, if you were going to bench Mitch for that in the first place, you should have just benched him. If you're going to bench Geo. For this, you should have just benched him in the first place. Let's move on to the next one. There's nothing to glean here from either side, really, and because neither one of them have their primary quarterbacks. All right, we're gonna get, we're gonna get all these blowout games uh, done early. We're gonna go to the Cardinals and Giants here. Just a weird game. The Giants' defense did show up, but the offense absolutely did not. Uh, I think you can consider the Giants holding the Cardinals' offense to 26 points. The way that they got their 26 points, you can consider that a success. Uh, the the Cardinals overall had a rough day. I mean, they were able to run the ball a little bit, uh, but overall they were not able to pass the ball. Uh, they were not. DeAndre Hopkins had nine for thirty, nine for one thirty-six, and then nobody else had more than thirty yards or four catches. So it, it, overall, they did a good job containing the pass. Uh, I think that Kyler Murray is going to start returning to form here maybe next week it looked like he was actually healthy in this game again uh, and so he had the rushing floor this week 13 for 47 didn't get a score but the rushing floor is returning for him uh, Daniel Jones is the one to keep an eye on in New York uh, he he got really beat up in this game uh, ultimately Colt McCoy came in Daniel Jones came back in but uh, Daniel Jones is one to keep an eye on moving forward uh, I think at this point you can't play any of the Giants offense other than maybe Evan Ingram yeah, and even Evan Ingram's, uh, he's a sketchy play. Darius Slayton had eight targets. That's cool. That's that's good. Uh, it's just, yeah, Daniel Jones, from what I heard, like from the Giants people I follow, he did not look right. I heard he was just limping around all day. I didn't watch any of this game. Like, I I think I saw highlights maybe, but but even that, there wasn't a ton of highlights coming out of this game. It was pretty pretty mundane 26-7 to game. You would think a team winning t- with, like, putting up 26 points. It's going to be like a highlight reel. They're doing stuff with regularity, but no, it was just a mundane 26 points. Uh, Kyler got, I think Kyler got a little bit back on track. He at least, he had 13 carries for 47 yards. That rushing floor was there somewhat because that, and that's more carries than he's had in what, like a month since yeah, that it, shoulder injury. No, he's so starting to return to form. And then that, this was, this was a positive look for him moving forward. Yeah, but nothing. And until I think until Daniel Jones is back to full health, you can't like you said you can't play any of the Giants 
other than Wayne Gallman. And that's just because there's nothing else at the running back position. That's the only reason you're playing him. Uh, Colt McCoy, though, inspires no confidence in me to want to play any of these pass catchers. Let's go. We got, what, one more blowout in this in this main slate? Uh, we got. Well, I'm not really going by slate. I'm just going by blowout. I just want to get these games over with. Uh, Tennessee-Jacksonville. All right, we can go Tennessee-Jacksonville next. So Because that game was a blowout. <laughs> that game was a blowout. As I mentioned earlier, Derrick Henry, I'm sorry if you had to play against him. 26 carries, 215 yards, doing Derrick Henry things. Two touchdowns, 47 yards long. So he's still getting the big plays. He's getting the consistent work, as always. Uh, Ryan Tannehill proves to continue to be a a good fantasy quarterback. Uh, He's serviceable. Uh, A.J. Brown returned in this game, 7 for 112 and a touchdown. Uh, Corey Davis didn't have the biggest day, but I think he'll return to the 10-point floor that we were expecting from him. Uh, He's still, you know, he's not laying goose eggs, and I think that's the important thing here. Uh, Johnny Smith hasn't been the same in six weeks. Uh, but still, he's, I think, a top 10 tight end at this point, even with missing games and having bad games. So he's still hey, up quick, there. Quick thing. In yeah. a super flex where I didn't play a second quarterback, I played against Derrick Henry, and I won. That's, wow. Well, then. Yeah. I played, <laughs> and I had Trey Burton in my lineup, who put up zero. Well, I don't know why you're doing that. Anyway, Jaguar side, it was the return of the stash. Gardner Minshew came back in this game. Threw it 31 times, and he's named the starting quarterback for next week already. So uh, Gardner Minshew is back. Uh, James Robinson only had 12 carries in this game, but got 67 yards. Uh, and then on the on the in the air, excuse me, he had four for 16. Uh, did, you, did you see this the crazy statistic? Oh, there's only five wide receivers in the NFL today who have over 100 uh, 100 air yards air per yards. game. And, and DJ yeah, Char- DJ yeah, Chark is DJ one Chark of them. DJ Chark is one of them. He's, he's the only one outside like the top ten in yeah, fantasy scoring. Exactly. Yeah. Also, my other tight end was Ian Thomas. That's why I started Trey Burton. Oh, I suppose. I guess you had much of a choice there. Uh, Keelan Cole seven for sixty seven. Lavisca Chanel six for forty nine. Uh, and Keelan Cole had to score as well. Uh, overall, Colin Johnson is a dynasty stash here. Dynasty, DJ Chark, I'm buying low on. I think there's a new quarterback in Jacksonville next year. Uh, but Honestly, I think it's exactly what we expect from this Jacksonville offense right now. I mean, DJ Chark was getting the opportunities, uh, but I mean, nine targets. Yeah, Visca and Keelan had nine, eleven, and twelve targets respectively. That's crazy. That is that is hyper focused in a game where they threw the ball fifty-four times. Yeah, yeah. No one else had more than four targets. You had James Robinson who had four. Obviously, Divine Zigbo had four. Okay, no other receiver had more than three targets. You had Colin Johnson who had three. And also, I threw out Colin Johnson as kind of a, a or like a DFS flyer play for the day because he was super cheap. I think if Mike Glennon had stayed in the game, that might have stayed true. But Gardner came in and focused his primary guys, which are those first team, the Keelan Cole, the DJ Shark, the LaVisca Chenault. So that's kind of what happened there. But I agree. Colin is kind of a, a dynasty stash. DJ, definitely a buy low candidate. Um, Keelan Cole, is he a free agent at the end of the year? Do you know? I believe so, but I could be wrong. Why don't you look that up while we move on to the next game? Uh, Seattle and New York Jets. Uh, Forty to three, Seattle wins this game. Uh, as the Jets came into Seattle, uh, that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, he, <laughs> I mean, Keelan there was... Cole is a free agent at the end of this year. He had signed a one-year, three point two five million dollar deal. Uh, he's he will be twenty eight at the end of the season. Uh, you got to factor in the team has. He'll Colin get a Tyrod Johnson. Williams level deal. I think that's what I think that's what'll happen because he provides some uh, kick return value as well. He does. He's super explosive. Um, I worked with a guy who set who went to college with him, and he said that Keelan had just had stupid speed. Like he made he like he he's like Tyreek fast. Like for where he went to school was just 
everybody else was running as hard as they could, and this dude looked like he wasn't even breaking a sweat. So that's just how fast he is. I think that he'll be back there, but I think that he'll still. Be, I think he'll be the third, the clear third guy between behind Visca and DJ next year, right? You, I mean, you have to think that those two are the prime. I think he gets outpriced on the market. I think he gets a bigger deal than he probably should on the market. But fair enough. Uh, but let's move on to the Seattle game again. Uh, not much to really talk about here. I mean, it's exactly what you expected Seattle to do uh, to the Jets. Uh, all around, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, Russell Wilson. Everybody had big days. Carlos Hyde added 15 for 66. Probably an effort to preserve Chris Carson because there's no reason to run him into the ground if you don't have to. Uh, yeah, I think that goals. all came in the final quarter after they had pulled everybody. Exactly. So, uh, in the, on the other side of the ball, I mean, you can't touch these Jets running backs. Uh, Sam Darnold is still Sam Darnold, and you can't touch the Jets receivers right now. Uh, maybe Brashad Perryman. Sam Darnold. Yeah, maybe Brashad Perryman if you absolutely need a flex play. That that I think that is the only thing you can do right now. Denzel Mims is supposed to come back next week, though. I don't I don't think that changes much for me, but it's just good information to have. Yeah, because Denzel Mims, he didn't miss for an injury. He missed for a personal issue. Uh, and wishing the best with whatever that issue is. Jamison Crowder, I know the like he saw five targets in this game, but I know he was only a break glass in case of emergency player play anyway. So the so the re, so as soon as they saw how out of hand this game got, they yanked him. I'm pretty sure all five of his targets came really early in the game. That's why Braxton Berrios got five looks. Brashad Perriman was in for the game. It just this Jets team is a whole ineptitude of bad. And I don't really want to talk about them anymore. Let's go talk about fun games. Yeah, let's talk about the Chiefs-Dolphins game. I think this was probably the funnest game of the week, um, other than the Packers game, obviously. But yeah. the <laughs> but that's bias. The I'm actually very impressed by this Dolphins team. They they hung with the Chiefs, and they put up 17 in the fourth quarter to make this game really close. Uh, I think this game was as close as the score indicates, even though they put up 17 in the fourth. This score, this score was uh, very indicative of how close the game was. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he still passed for 393 yards, but he also threw, he also threw three picks. Uh, and so this this game was not an easy win for the Chiefs by any means. Uh, the Dolphins are the Dolphins are going to be a problem uh, for somebody in the playoffs because they're just a solid fundamental team. They play good defense and solid offense. Um, we talked about it before. I think this is going to be a good team, but not a great team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they continue to develop their young players. But on the Kansas City side, I mean, we told you how to play Kyle, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He had 16 for 32. It's actually becoming a legitimate problem now. The inefficiency. He had five catches for 59 yards, though. Fair, but the, legit, the legitimate inefficiency as a runner is becoming a concern for me. It's been week after week after week after week. I understand the Chiefs' offensive line is not what it used to be, but two yards of carry is not acceptable. But you also have to factor in that was heavily weighed down by poor play calling. He had seven. I think he had at least six, at least six, possibly even more because I, I wasn't on this game the entire time. He had at least six plays, though, where they were trying to get him to gain one or two yards. And I know everyone's like, oh, well, he's so good. He should be able to do that. Yes, but you're just expecting him to be a battering ram. That's not the type of player he is. Get him out in space. Let him let him do work like that. Because he had multiple plays where he was expected to just try and break through the pile. That's not the type of player he is. That's not what he does. It's not his thing. And he had – so if you take away those where it was like six carries for one yard every single time, he – he so wasn't he, terrible. He had 32 he yards rushing. Great. He absolutely was not great. I want that to be clear. I didn't think he had a great day, but just he. I think he's being mis, misused in this Kansas City offense. It makes no sense. I mean, they're running from the shotgun. I think that's an effective way to use him. Uh, but he had 16 for 32, as I said. 12 was as long. So he really had 15 for 20. That's abysmal. Um, and 
And maybe it's his fault, maybe it's not, but I mean his his value for me is dropping. Uh, I watched just watching him in this offense. I you know you you would think he would be a good fit, but like you said, they're not using him correctly, and it's really of of the rookie running backs right now, he's the one I'm the most concerned for. And I'm that, more concerned with Keyshawn Vaughn. Or are you just talking about like the top five guys? Uh, well, I never thought Keyshawn Vaughn was a thing ever. So yeah, I didn't either, but I do know that there's plenty of fantasy people that did. And I make sure that to remind them, hey, you thought Keyshawn Vaughn was a thing. Of all the first-round running backs that you were taking, Cam Akers, uh, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, all those guys, so the top five. Clyde's yes, the one you're most concerned Clyde's about. Clyde's the one I'm most concerned about because I, his style is not translating well unless they begin to use him in a very specific way, and that typically does not bode well for NFL players. Yeah, he, like I said, he just he wasn't getting used correctly, and maybe that changes, maybe it doesn't. Um, yeah, because they're. I think they're trying to use him like Damian Williams, and that's just he's just not that guy. Uh, Tyreek Hill had one carry for 32 yards and a score. He made that end around touchdown look easy. He caught three of 79 for us for on seven targets. So a lot of inefficiency for Tyreek here, considering how efficient he's been over the past probably six weeks. Uh, he did catch a touchdown there, so he had a great day. Uh, Travis Kelsey uh, remains the most. The most unstoppable threat in football right now. Eight catches for 136 yards and a score on 10 targets. He leads all pass catchers in receiving yards on the year. DK Metcalf is second, and he's over. He's like 100 yards behind. Travis Kelsey is just balling to another level this year. None of the other pass catchers really did anything. Like, Miko Hardman, Sammy Watkins had big plays, but they weren't really efficient with it. Well, not really- Hardman scored a return, so he still gets you a touchdown. Yeah, Hardman did have a return, which is which is awesome, and hopefully your leagues give you scoring for that. I think the best ones do, certain ones don't. Obviously, moving over to the other side of things, Tua, 28 to 48, 316 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, also had six carries for 24 yards and a score, which was great. Uh, that's awesome. Love to see a quarterback be able to scramble a little bit. He's not the most athletic guy. He's not going to run at the level of Jalen Hurts or of uh, Lamar Jackson or whatever, but he's he has the scamper ability. Um, he was not getting any help from his receivers in terms of the separation they were generating. And I mean, I look at these names. I mean, I don't but, know. Yeah, <laughs> Devontae Parker left the game early. Devontae Parker saw two targets, left the game early. Uh, Preston Williams was out. Uh, the the number one receiver that they have in yards that is not injured or on the COVID list is Isaiah Ford. Oh. Who, who's now? I'm not talking about this game. I'm talking about on the year. We, Isaiah Ford, who has like oh, 130 yards, and he doesn't even play for this team anymore. He's on the practice squad. No, yes, he, he got is. traded. Yep, he got no, New... he got traded to New England. New England cut him, and then no, they okay, I didn't realize New England cut him. Squad. That was I saw bad. it today. That's the only reason I know this. <laughs> I, I don't Jesus. track Isaiah Ford stuff. Uh, but that, anyway, yeah. so yeah, Matt Collins five for 66 on nine targets. He had a decent day. Mike Gesicki five for 65 and two scores on six. He had an awesome day. That second touchdown was really big. It was like a it was like a 29 yard score. He did fall on his shoulder. That will be something to monitor this week. Hopefully, it's not a long term thing because Gesicki starting to add that late breakout again. When Preston Williams is out, Gesicki's the guy. Tua seems to trust him. I'm seeing a connection there, so that's great. I kind of buried the lead a little bit because nothing else matters other than this. Lynn Bowden had seven catches for 82 yards on nine targets. He lined up in the slot on terrible doing it. (laughs) He lined up in the slot on 71% of his snaps. I don't know what you want. Uh, I want him to look like an NFL wide receiver, and he looked like he was just struggling, but he was still catching. I know. Okay. Well, he's. You want the running back to look like a wide receiver? I want him to look like he at least knows what he's doing, and he's just. I don't know. So. I'm sorry that the first round. I'm sorry that the rookie 
isn't up to speed yet. I'm just saying, he had seven for nine, but don't be fooled by it. I, there's a long way to go for Limbo to become a consistent fantasy player. Uh, Mac Hollins, I think Mac Hollins, if if Parker and Williams are both out, I think Mac William, I'm sorry, Mac Hollins is a fine flex play, but. That's it. I, I'm, it's obviously gross, and uh, you're not looking to do that. But if you're in an emergency emergency situation, I think you can play Matt Collins if Williams and Parker are both out. That's fair. Uh, like if Williams and Parker miss, it. I really and I also feel really bad for Dolphins, uh, like the Dolphins over the next few weeks and Dolphins fans. They play Buffalo, New England, and uh, who's that? They play one other really good. Or, no, and then Vegas in Vegas. So not a really good team. A team's actually kind of fading right now, but it's just. It's unfortunate because they played really well all year, and then their final five games are, or their final four games are KC, New England, Buffalo in Buffalo, and Vegas in Vegas. So not great there, but uh, Miami's on the right path. I like what we're seeing there. Where are we heading next, Tyler? Are we heading to Denver? Are we heading to, or are we heading to Carolina or Tampa Bay? We're going to Tampa, and Tampa. we're going to talk about how the Vikings played like they have all year in up and down up and down up and down uh this is a game we, we talked about this game a lot on the sunday live stream uh in terms of what this bucks front could do to the vikings and they sure did i mean dalvin cook still was able to run the ball but that's because dalvin cook is a freak uh and the, otherwise the vikings struggled uh they did they were not able to do what i think a lot of people thought they could do i know we had a like i said in-depth conversation about this bucks defensive line against the vikings and uh they they did show up the bucks defensive line is no joke uh they they really were able to put a clamp on this vikings offense as a whole uh i mean Kirk cousins ran five for 41 though so maybe i maybe i don't know what i'm talking about but well no as well as you said dalvin cook was just dalvin cook and that's true. That's true. True as it gets, because you look at guys like David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, who we'll get to in a little bit. David Montgomery had 80 yards on one carry, and then for the rest of the day, he had like 10 carries for 33 yards. Miles Sanders did the same thing. He had one carry for 80 yards, and then like 10 carries for 30 yards, something like that. Dalvin Cook had 22 for 102 and a score. His long on the day was 14. The dude was grinding for yards. He wasn't getting home runs like we've seen him do. I know we've all seen him torch Green Bay before. He wasn't getting home run balls. He was grinding out these yards. So, and if it wasn't for Dan Bailey, who is in a little bit of a funk right now, he's having the yips. However, if you read my kicker article or looked at my kicker rankings, I had him ranked as kicker 30 on the week. So you're welcome. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, it's Ronald Jones' backfield. Uh, I think that is clear at this point. Yeah, Fournette was a healthy scratch. Fournette so. was a healthy scratch. McCoy is there as a spellback only. Uh, Vaughn is not good. Uh, One so, for negative three. Hell of a day. <laughs> I don't think he – does he have positive yards on the year? He's got to be close. Uh, I, no, I think he does because – Earlier in the year, I think he had a couple of stuff. Okay. He had one, like he had like one catch earlier in the year. I don't. Let me look at his running stats. I'm pulling it up right All now because right. I feel like he does. All right. He well, has, then I'll start to the talk. Year, on the year, nine carries for 43 yards oh, okay. in seven like, games of play. I undersold him a little bit. My fault. He has one carry for ni- like his long is 19 yards. So. Okay. Well, uh, let's start talking about these receivers on both sides of the ball. I mean, there was not a ton of fancy goodness in this game. To be honest with you, Dalvin Cook was the best piece um, on either side, and then you Irv had Irv Smith was good. And then you had Irv Smith Jr., who with no Kyle Rudolph, we talked about him as a possible play. Uh, Kyle Rudolph became a scratch on Sunday morning, uh, and so 
Irv Smith came to life, four for 63 in a touchdown. So not the first time he's done that this year. Uh, I think he's on the verge of really taking that step forward yep. uh, since tight ends take that that extra year or two to really get into the groove. Uh, I think Irv Smith is coming into his own. and he He's can another really be... by-low tight end. Like, uh, Absolutely. So I think I have that league that I had to start Trey Burton, and my other option was Ian Thomas. I'm thinking about going and looking after Irv Smith and Cole Komet both this offseason uh, or in the next couple of weeks just saying, hey, I have no tight ends. Help me out. Absolutely. And in terms of the receivers, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, you'll have better weeks. Like I said, there was not a ton of fancy goodness in this game. It was a, it was an odd defensive battle, but there was still points scored. It was weird. But I'm not going to glean anything too much from this game. You meet Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski, one for two, though, on two targets. That's why you can't play Rob. He's just too way too inconsistent. Uh, Antonio Brown led this Buccaneers wide receiver core with five for 49 on five targets, but... Man, I Scotty don't know. Scotty Miller had one for 48 and a touchdown. He yeah, had two targets on the day. The, this, this offense for the Bucs is approaching. You probably can't depend on anybody to produce on any given day other yeah. than Ronald Jones. Did you see Tom Brady? at Like, did you watch this game at all? Uh, Briefly. Father time is coming. For Tom Brady, it already has. It He looked bad. He has looked bad at several like, points this year. Yeah, I know, but he's had instances where he's looked decent. He reminds but, me a lot of the Peyton Manning days when Peyton, when Peyton Manning was on the Broncos, and you're like, oh, he's still Peyton Manning. But then there were times like, oh, he's Peyton Manning. Like, I think that's what's happening with Tom Brady right now. I think Brady is a lot closer to that final year, Tom, that final year Peyton than, like, the early Denver Peyton. Because like, obviously mm, early Denver Peyton right. was just nuts and went set offensive records. But this Brady looks bad. Like, he he doesn't look good. This Because this Vikings defense didn't sack him once got what three quarterback hits on the day and everyone knows that's the that's the book and the and the two and two of the three quarterback hits came from came from not not linemen it came from Jeff Gladney as a corner and then Eric Wilson who I believe is what a safety or a linebacker or something Eric Wilson's a He's linebacker not, okay so yeah it didn't even come from like the the front it came from the other guys so Brady but Brady looks bad and pa- panic button should be hit and Tampa is I don't there's Tampa's trying to compete for a title next year. I don't think that happens. Tampa definitely doesn't win the NFC South next year. No, they're not going to win the NFC South this year or next. I don't know. Oh, well, I know not this year. I'm just saying, like, I don't know what their realistic path to a championship is at this point with that roster. They've they've got some really talented players, that is for sure, but they have definitely got some big holes as well. they should sign a guy like Jameis Winston. I've heard he can throw the ball. (laughs) Right. You'd think Jameis Winston with this offense would actually might be a little bit better. Jameis Winston would cook in this offense. Right. I agree. And he's got a defense to actually bail him out when he makes a mistake here and there. I agree. Okay, give, let's move on give, to this give him some play game. action. Give him some play action with Ronald Jones, a successful running game. I completely agree. Jameis Winston would be much better for this offense at this point in time. Maybe, they maybe. Would, he would get uh, Ronald Jones would have light boxes because people would be afraid of Jameis throwing the ball. It'd be magical. It'd be so much fun. Uh, but let's move on to the Panthers and Broncos game. This was a good game too. Uh, Panthers almost made the comeback in this game. They also scored 17 fourth quarter points. Uh, they made this game a five point game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a decent day. Uh, he'll he'll have better days. He he. 30 for 40, 283. Uh, he just didn't get the passing touchdowns this week, but he did lead the offense successfully. He did have a rushing touchdown. Mike Davis had two rushing touchdowns on 51 yards. Uh, in the receiving room, it was Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel, and, that, and I think that's exactly what you expected. Mike Davis also had 5 for 42. Uh, nothing else of note for Carolina, really, other than Christian McCaffrey could come back next week against the Packers, of course. 
Yeah, and I'm really hoping for that uh, from a fantasy perspective. I have one league, which is my probably that's my best team far and away. I have CMC. I traded for him this year when he was injured. Uh, and I have Chris Godwin in that lineup. And I'm looking to put DK Metcalf in for or move in from flex in for Chris Godwin, move Godwin out, put in uh, Christian McCaffrey. But yeah, like you said, Mike Davis was efficient with those touches, wasn't he? 11 for 51, two scores. Yeah, he was. Five catches, 42 well, yards. I mean, his long was 10, so that means he had 10 carries for 41 yards. That's four yards a carry. That's exactly what you're looking for him, from him. He's a, he's a lot of fun to watch run, too. I know we've talked about that before. I just love watching him run. The way he runs is, is just so much fun. Yeah. Um, but on the other side of the ball, uh, running backs, uh, Melvin Gordon still the, the top dog here. Uh, Philip Lindsay. I don't know what has happened to Philip Lindsay, but he is just—he's—he's he's not good right now. He hasn't been good for a while. Uh, this is the Broncos are going to be one of those key teams that are going to be in the hunt for a young running back or a new running back uh, come the 2021 season, and it's going to be a great offensive situation. Uh, you're assuming, I think, Drew Locke is returning. I don't think the Broncos are ready to give up on him yet uh, from a from a franchise quarterback standpoint. I think he's had a solid year. He's obviously had ups and downs, but the flashes have been super bright for Drew Locke, and this was one of those weeks. 21 of 27, 280, four scores, uh, and he got the he spread the ball around too. It wasn't it wasn't like he was targeting one guy or or he got a lot a ton of big plays. He was spreading the ball around. He was making decent plays. He was taking what Carolina was giving him, uh, and uh, I mean, there's nothing to talk about in the receiving core. That, that is so, the honest truth. Did you see either one of the KJ Hamler touchdowns? Because I saw because the mm-hmm. breakdown for them is the exact same. No, I did not. So, obviously, K.J. Hamler, for those that don't know, very fast. Very, very stupid fast. Make you look very slow. Rasul Douglas was covering him. Rasul Douglas, very not fast. K.J. Hamler's route on both plays was, hey, outrun Rasul Douglas, and that's all he did. He just ran, he just blew past him, and Drew Locke just had to throw the ball into the green abyss behind everybody because (laughs) Rasul had no shot. And it was unfortunate because Douglas had been a decent corner in his career, but he's just got no business covering in there. That's like... That's like trying to cover Devontae Adams one-on-one. That's like saying, hey, go run step-for-step step with Tyreek Hill and uh, let me know how that goes for you. No, K.J. Hamler just blew past him. Uh, I really like the upside of this offense moving forward. K.J. Hamler, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, uh, Cortland Sutton when he comes back next year. Tim Patrick, if Tim Patrick's your fourth receiver, that's pretty good. Yeah, pretty yes, good. I put KJ Hamler over Tim Patrick. No, I, I mean I think I, I think I would too. Moving I forward, I know you would. I just know like there's some Denver Broncos homers that are like, no, Tim Patrick's better, and I'm like, yeah, right now, yeah. next year with a yeah. full off season of work, yeah. Hamler will pass him. I agree. I agree. Let's move on though to this Colts Raiders game, uh, 44 to 27, uh, and one guy in specific that I want to talk about, Jonathan freaking Taylor, 20 carries, 150 Ooh. yards. Jonathan Ooh. freaking Taylor, exactly. Uh, so 20 carries, 150 yards, two touchdowns, 62-yard long, a very impressive 62-yard touchdown. Uh, not the typical wide-open, you know, break through the hole and nobody to tackle him. He outran guys. And it's almost like, you know, I, I had this conversation briefly with somebody on Twitter about uh, – <laughs> when we were wa- when we were watching him at Wisconsin, people were like, oh, he doesn't have good top-end speed. And it's like, okay, so he doesn't have to run full speed every single play, and so – you know, you're going to sit here and say he's slow. And then he goes and cooks these corners on this play, and you're going to absolutely tell me that he, that he was he was trucking. That's the whole point here. He's an angle breaker. He was like, he, he is. He breaks angles all day long. You're like, oh, I got him. And then he just hits that extra gear, and you're like, well, well I had him. 
Absolutely. And Philip Rivers, this is the type of game you're hoping to get from Philip Rivers. 19 28, 244, two scores, no picks. That's what you're hoping to get from him. That's solid. I actually looked it up. He's QB 20 on the year. I think he was being drafted as like a QB 27 or 28. So another reason why you don't draft QBs early because you can find good value later on. Uh, in, in these situations. Uh, so T.Y. Hilton has, I guess, returned to life. Uh, three, five for 86, two scores in this game, seven targets, led the, led the entire receiving group for the Colts. Jonathan Taylor, two for 15 on two. Naeem Hines, four for 17 on four. Uh, that is it. Nothing else of note here. Jonathan Taylor hit his over on receiving for yards because it was set at 15 and a half, and then he's caught a screen for negative five oh, yards and put him back under. It cracked me up. I didn't take it because I didn't see because I didn't I didn't mess with the number. I had enough money elsewhere on the day. But that cracked me up because it was literally that was the first drive. The first drive he caught that that one pass for twenty yards, and then he caught another pass later for negative five, and then never caught, never even saw another target. So, Jeez. but T.Y. Hilton, can we talk about T.Y. Hilton for one quick second? Yeah, is he a thing for the rest of the year? I don't think I can rely on him, but I mean, maybe you don't have a choice. I mean, if you have to play him in your flex, I think this is why I was drafting him late is because he can do this. I mean, you have to have faith in him next week. Houston week again. <laughs> You're right. All right. You're right. If he can get you yep. to the championship and then you can play somebody else for him in the championship, that's probably what I would do. <laughs> yep. On the um, other side of things, Derek Carr, 31 of 45, 316, two touchdowns and two picks. Zay Jones, uh, one of one, 29 yards. Love to see that. I always love trick plays. I, I love when somebody not a quarterback throws the ball. Absolutely. Josh Jacobs, who trolled all of us uh, at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 13 carries for 49 yards. 18-yard uh, long, also added three catches for 25 yards on five targets. He's another by-low candidate. He's not. He's he has hit touchdown regression hard this year. Uh, he's also he's also I think been workload managed a little bit. Uh, I think that uh, he's been in and out year, of the lineup all year long. Yeah, like, I, I, I like think I, next year he's going to be right back where he was. He's reminding me. I'm trying to think. There's been there's been a guy over the last few years that just like every single week it's. Up, he left the game again, and I feel like I read that every week. Josh Jacobs left the game with this. Josh Jacobs left the game with that, and I feel like that's what it's been for him this year. I don't think he's an injury-prone player. I don't think he's going to deal with injuries consistently throughout his career. Granted, he is a physical runner, so that's probably what's going to happen a little bit. But I think he, I like you said, I think he's an interesting buy-low candidate. Uh, and I would, I don't know how heavily I would target him this off-season, but that's that's more of a personal thing. Um, just I'm weird about investing in running backs. Uh, but let's move on to the receivers, though. Nelson Aguilar, 5 for 100 on a, and a score on 9 targets. Darren Waller, 7 for 75 on 10 targets. He remains good. Nelson Aguilar remains a flex option. Foster Moreau stole Darren Waller's touchdown, 1 for 47 and a score on 2 targets on the day. Hunter Renfro, 5 for 38 on 7. Jalen Shard had 4 catches for 31 yards on 5 targets. Again, if Josh Jacobs goes down, Richard's the guy that I want to play as a flex option, but only in PPR, not in. I don't want to play Devontae Booker. Period. Uh, and then you had Henry Ruggs had three for eighteen on three targets. That seems really disappointing because all of we've been hearing for the last few weeks is we got to get Ruggs the ball more often. We got to get Ruggs the ball more often. And then you're going to give him three targets, which is two, four less than you gave Hunter Renfro. That's a third of what you gave Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, want? it's been the story all year long, and, and uh, he's uh, we we've talked about him already as a buy low candidate heading into twenty twenty one. He's definitely on the, he's definitely on that list because I think you can get him at a real discount right now. Uh, considering people were spending first round picks, I was never going to do that. Uh, I was never spending that type of draft capital on him. But uh, I think you could get him for a second round pick now, and I, I would totally do that. I, so. I I the one league I roster him, I did spend a first round pick on him, but I also had multiple first round picks. 
I think I had like three first round picks and he was the one I went with because my league went, uh, I, one guy went really overzealous with the whole Brian Edwards hype and I got him as like pick 12. Fair so. enough. All right, let's move on to Saints-Eagles. Uh, I don't have a ton to talk about in this game. I really don't. Uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts, I, I can't buy it. Like He had a great performance and, you know, good job. Kudos to him. 18 carries for 106 yards. That's not going to keep. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah, he's air. only the second. He's only the second running or quarterback ever in their debut to go for over a hundred yards, in like on the ground. And the other one was Lamar Jackson. Yeah. two years ago. This is not going to keep. Uh, Jalen Hurts was. A, it's a good story. I'm just not buying into it yet. If I'm late to this train, by all means, I'll be late to the train. That's fine. Yep. But 167 yards uh, and a touchdown in the air. Uh, not a great day passing. Uh, which is what you have to do as a quarterback. So, what uh, <laughs> the receiving uh, the receiving core is going to be unplayable uh, with Jalen Hurts, I think. Uh, and then on the New Orleans side, I think Drew Brees comes back next week. But Taysom Hill, another solid day for him, five for thirty-three on the ground. Taysom uh, Hill cost the Saints this game. He did toss. He did cost the Saints this game. But uh, fantasy-wise, uh, two ninety-one and two uh, in the air with, with an with an interception. Uh, Elvin Kamara, eleven for fifty and a score. Uh, overall, this, this turned into a very defensive game. Uh, Michael Thomas did Michael Thomas things, eight for eighty-four. Alvin Kamara had seven catches for forty-four he did. yards. His, his, I'm telling, I, I kept telling you, like, the, when they need him, they will use him. Like, that's that's what they were doing with Kamara. I think that's why they were giving Latavius Murray so much work. Uh, when they need Kamara, they will use him. So you're hoping for close games down the stretch here. Uh, so clearly, the Saints have an eye towards the playoffs. Uh, and so I don't have a lot to add in this game. I mean, Jalen Rager is continuing to not. He's he's on Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs level of production. Probably a little bit more efficient with his, with his touches than Ruggs has been. Uh, Sanders, I don't care about the 14 for 115, the two touchdowns. I just don't. Um, I I can't trust him. I don't think he's a good running back. Uh, I think he's athletic. Eh. I, I just don't I have never thought he was a good running back. And like you watch these plays, and like yeah, that was a good it was a good 82 yard run. But like the offensive line part the part of the red sea on that play and if you watch the there's a there's a clip out there right now i don't know what the heck the saints defenders were doing on that second level but none of them plugged the hole the the gap like they were supposed to uh so it was a terrible terrible uh defensive play from the saints and i don't want to take anything away from that that's great but i i just don't trust him moving forward in my lineup to be that type of player i the so the whole joke going around yesterday while the miles sanders big game was happening was all right, let's be honest. How many of you started Miles Sanders? And in the one league I roster him, I started him. I had no better option. That's the only reason I started him. I w- the all of the logic. He's the first guy in like four, what, three years to go for over a hundred yards against the Saints. Dalvin Cook was the first guy to go for over sixty yards against the the Bucks to, on Sunday. This this Sunday slate was weird. There was big blowouts and there was close games, but even then, there was still weird stuff happening throughout. Miles Sanders, I think, is a good running back, but I can't, I agree you can't invest heavily in him or have a ton of confidence in him. He's not getting enough work. He only got 14 carries. He had four catches for 21 yards on five targets. Jalen Hurts gives you the aspect of teams aren't going to be able to really key in on Sanders, but it's also, since Jalen Hurts is more mobile than Carson Wentz is, Carson or Jalen's going to run the ball more than Carson Wentz would, so Miles Sanders still isn't going to see a huge boost in targets. So that's kind of where I'm at there. Um, Jay, Alshon Jeffrey got one target on the day and caught a touchdown. So that's just super great. I'm glad he stole that from Dallas. Uh, did Goddard you hear that Fulgham was out snapped by Quez Watkins? Yes, Quez Watkins. Yep. 
Yeah, so, no, Travis Fulgham in the tra- Travis Fulgham in the last like month and a half has played. I think like I hope you sold him when sacks. you had the chance to. <laughs> I just never rostered him. I was smart. Oh, I, uh, I picked go. him up on waivers and flipped him for a second, so I don't really care. Yeah, I, I never <laughs> rostered him. I was just like, I'm not even gonna mess with it. Uh, let's go to the Chargers. Yeah, Falcons Chargers. This game did not live up to expectations. <laughs> it was the ineptitude bowl. What are you it talking really about? It really was. Uh, Matt Ryan finished the day with three interceptions, 224 yards. Uh, nobody on the Falcons offense, other than Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage, did anything noteworthy, uh, which was and not Russell what Russell Gage threw a touchdown. And Russell Gage threw a touchdown. So Russell Gage had a great day in the absence of Julio Jones. I think Julio comes back next week. I think the offense for the Falcons returns to what we expected them to be this week. Uh, I think they return to that next week. So Calvin Ridley had a great game, 8 for 124 and a score on 12 targets. Russell Gage had 7 targets, 5 for 82. The running backs did nothing. Ito Smith had 11 for 42. Gurley to 6 for 19. This is such a weird game. Another weird game where I expected Todd Gurley to really take uh, take hold of that running back position again. And he did not. Uh, he had 2 for 12 on 3 targets. Like I said, uh, outside of Ridley engaged, absolutely nothing noteworthy on this Falcons side. Agree. Agree wholeheartedly. Before we move on to the Chargers, because I don't have anything else to add other than Calvin Ridley's good. Somehow he's still a buy-low candidate. I don't know how, but because he, he plays I've, in Atlanta and so does Julio, and that's the only I, reason. I know. I'm just like I'm still seeing his price be way too low for how talented he is. He, you're gonna have to pay more than you're gonna have to pay for like Henry Ruggs and stuff like that. But he's still not being priced appropriately. Before we move on to the Chargers, I have a quick question for you, Julio Jones. In redraft, I'm not gonna talk dynasty. In redraft, where would you be comfortable drafting him next year? Like what round? Late second, early third, like he was this okay. year. Okay, I saw because I saw someone on this was Friday night, and I just remembered it now that was saying that unless Julio fell egregiously, which my guess would probably be like late third, early fourth, or probably like fourth round is is my guess that he wouldn't even consider taking him just because Julio's dealt with injuries every single year and this that and, and I was just I wanted to hear your opinion. Uh, Justin Herbert, 36 for 44, 243 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, he could have done better. He could have done worse. Um, that pick, he got lucky because Matt Ryan bailed him out. Because they So it went Matt Ryan threw a pick, and then right afterwards, Justin Herbert threw a pick. And then right after that, Matt Ryan threw another one, and then the Chargers went down and won the game. Austin Eckler had 15 carries for 79 yards, also had nine catches for 67 yards on nine targets. As Tyler said earlier, Eckler is booing you on your route to a championship. If you made the playoffs with Austin Eckler, congratulations. He is going to help you win your championships. Uh, none of the other running backs are worth mentioning. Tyron Johnson at 6 for 55 and a score on seven targets. That's obviously because Mike Williams left this game early with a back injury. Uh, nine catches for 52 yards on 11 targets for Keenan Allen. And that touchdown that he caught, Justin Herbert threw that ball in a in it. That was a tiny window. Like that, this it was literally a the football was the only thing that could fit in that window, and that's so this thing had to be perfect, and it was. So I love the Herbert connection to Keenan Allen that we're seeing so far, and that's going to be strong as long as Keenan Allen's still at the top of his game. So he'll continue to be a wider, uh, like a wide receiver one as long as that happens. Hunter Henry six for forty one on eight targets. Nothing else of note. Is Tyron Johnson worth starting with Mike Williams out, or are you not even messing with it? I'm not messing with it. I mean, he's had I a couple. Assume, he's had a couple of good weeks together now. I, I just, I'm not messing with it. I assumed you weren't, but I figured it was worth bringing up. 
Uh, Austin Eckler had a good game, I think, overall, though. But like you said, he's going to buoy your value as you move down, move into these championship weeks. And so hopefully you were able to weather the storm of him being out for, what, six weeks? And uh, you're going you're gonna to really reap the benefits uh, and reap the rewards in, in championship and semifinals. But let's move on to the next game. Uh, we're going to say the best game for last. So uh, Washington and San Francisco. I think this game went exact as exactly as we expected it to go. It was a yep. slow. As someone that picked Washington to win the game. <laughs> Hey, I would have too. Um, I, I missed did. my I missed I my pickups, but uh, yeah. the point is, uh, the the game itself was slow and plotting and just not a lot of fantasy stuff going on here. Uh, Brandon Ayuk though, ten for one nineteen on the San Francisco side. More Raheem Mostert had fourteen for sixty five, uh, but he lost the goal line touch to Jeff Wilson, who got the touchdown. Debo Samuel left this game pretty early with a hamstring. It looks like he might be done for the season. He might be, but the one thing I want to talk about with Ayuk really quickly, I saw a split earlier on splits on games with Debo versus without Debo. On games with Debo, Brandon Ayuk is averaging 15 PPR points per game. On games without Debo, he's averaging 17 PPR points per game. It doesn't so matter either if way. Debo plays. He's, <laughs> he's performing. That's basically right. what I'm getting at is because there's some people that are like, oh, he was only good because Debo was out or, oh, he was only good because Debo was in. It's No, he's been good regardless. He's not been 21 points per game good, but he's been pretty good. Absolutely. And so on the Washington side, did you know that this is a top 10 offense in the NFL with Alex Smith leading them? In points per game, they are a top 10 offense. The offense is or the team is? The offense is top 10 in the NFL in points per game. Since the Al- this offense didn't score. You're since Alex Smith took over. The hey, offense didn't score. Yell at Ian Rappaport. That's what he said. So Okay, okay, so... Yeah, Ian Rappaport, for those that don't know, there was no offensive touchdowns in this game for Washington. They scored two defensive touchdowns. There was a pick six, and there was a uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown by uh, Mr. Chase Young, who is your presumed defensive rookie of the year, even though he may or may not be the best defensive player this season. Yeah, uh, Terry McLaurin had a dud game, but that's not going to – whatever. It's not he gonna... still shouldn't have started Giovanni Bernard over him. Absolutely not. Golly, I'm not going back to that. Uh, JD, <laughs> JD McKissich, I think, had what we've expected from him all along. Uh, he added about two or three points in the air uh, to his 68 yards on the ground. So if you're getting 10 points in McKissich, I think you're good. So that's what you want. Uh, Logan Thomas continues to get a majority of the passing work uh, outside of McLaurin. So uh, Dwayne Haskins made an appearance in this game. Uh, did, do you know if Smith got hurt? I was cramp. It was a. Cramp. It was a. It. it was a leg, or it was. It was either a it was no it was either a, no it was a strain because Tyreek Hill had the cramp. Uh, it was a calf strain and it is on the surgically repaired leg, so it is something to monitor because obviously they'll want to be very extra cautious with that, especially with this team contending for the playoffs. This right here, this is the type of team that can come in and make issues for certain teams in the playoffs. I think Green Bay could beat them. I think New Orleans could beat them. I think the Rams could probably beat them, but like I think they could beat Tampa Bay. Yeah, they could be – well, because they're going to get a home game if they win the division. Tampa gets the five seed, and then Washington will get the four seed, obviously. I think Tampa would lose to Washington the way they're playing right now because this defense is built to cause problems for Tom Brady. Absolutely. Absolutely. The defense is playing well, and the team overall is is, uh, playing good complementary football, as we like to talk about. So uh, This whole year for Washington, let's see. So they had – they changed their name, right? They had – their scandals in the offseason. 
Ron Rivera was diagnosed with cancer. Ron Rivera has now beaten cancer. They've gone through three starting quarterbacks. Their starting running back is out. Their starting running back coming into the year got kicked off the team, rightfully so, because he's a bad person. You've now had just injuries all over the roster, all sorts of turnover. You're starting a guy who nearly lost his leg two years ago, and you started like, what, one and five, and they've now ripped off, they've won five of their last six or something like that. They're just, they're rolling. I think I think they started one and six and they won five straight. Yeah, there's something like that. It's it's an impressive run right now for Washington. Uh, but let's move into the last two games here. Uh, we're gonna save, like I said, the best one for last. So Bills Steelers. Uh, this was a very interesting game. Uh, d- did not quite go as I had expected. To be honest with you, I thought there'd be a few more points in this game. Buffalo defense. Well, you really also showed didn't up. factor in the weather because yeah, like, it true. was very wet and. I think the wind might have been a little bit of a factor, but it was just really rainy and slippery. Uh, didn't stop Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs for connecting for 10 catches for Stephon Diggs for 130 and a, and a score. Uh, he was just fantastic, like he has been Uncoverable. All year. Uncoverable. Uncoverable, yes. Uh, Cole Beasley, 541. Yeah, you'll take that from him. You're hoping that he falls in the end zone, but you'll take 541. He had 10 targets on the night. Right. So Gabriel Davis had eight targets, didn't do much with him. Dawson Knox had seven. I'd love to see that because Dawson Knox. Gabe Davis did catch a touchdown, though. He did. He did catch a touchdown. Uh, but Dawson Knox is a stash candidate for tight end. Uh, I really like him, actually. I like his profile, the way he profiles to the NFL level. Uh, the running back group in Buffalo continues to be a mess. Josh Allen continues to be the best. No, I'm just kidding. Zach Moss, 13 for 43. Devin Singletary, 7 for 32. It's it's disgusting because uh, neither one of them are getting receiving work either. So you probably can't play either one of them uh, moving forward. Uh, ben Roethlisberger on the other side of the ball, 187 for two with two interceptions. James Conner, Jalen Samuels, and Benny Snell combined for 17 carries for 47 yards. And Juju Smith-Schuster had the best day of the Steelers wide receivers. Deontay Johnson was benched in this game. Even though he had four for 40 on seven, he was benched in the what? The, is it the first thir- or third quarter? No, I think I thought it was the second quarter. He it was, was benched pretty, before halftime. He early, was yeah. benched before halftime. He came back and played very, very little in the second half, yeah. but I think he might have been fully benched in the third quarter. So he went 4 for four on four for 40 on seven targets. I'm pretty sure his three targets he did not catch were all drops. Yeah, so I think Mike Tomlin's uh, kind of at his wit's end with him. Uh, but the Steelers' offense was stymied in this game. Uh, they've been a little stagnant the last few weeks. Uh, Juju's pr- Juju continues to be the only one you can, I think, have any confidence in. Uh Deontay Johnson, obviously with the drops, and Mike Tomlin. Uh, Chris, uh, yeah, Claypool uh, is it's not boomer bust. He's not as bad as some of the other boomer bust players we've seen, but, I mean, he got stopped in this game for 3 for 15 on six targets, and you can see they were trying to get the ball to him downfield, and it was just not working. Uh, and so that's not necessarily what you want to see either. Yeah, no, Chase Claypool's usage doesn't make any sense. Uh, they were using him well earlier this year. I felt that he was effective. Um, I like the way they were getting him involved in the running game a little bit. They were getting him involved in close areas and allowing him to really use his athleticism. And they're just they're not doing that right now. And it doesn't make any sense. Um, set your set your best players up to be successful. Use he's not Tyreek Hill, but use him in creative ways. The Steelers' offense has gotten really stagnant over the last five or six weeks, and that's why they've started to play more and more close games. And it's finally caught up to them when they're playing teams that have decent defenses the bills defense has played very good ball over the last few weeks they've finally gotten healthy matt milano is a big key to that run defense josh allen is playing smart he's not uh making bad decisions like i th- what was it? his interception was to mike hilton 
what was that interception? I can't remember that one. I remember both of Ben's, which Ben's second interception was terrible. The Levi Wallace lame duck ball, but like Josh Allen, I can't even remember his interception, and it, and I don't th- and he didn't pay. I don't even think this game was as close as 26 to fifteen makes it seem. No, absolutely, it was not. Uh, but I'm not too worried about them for the last couple weeks of the season. I think that both teams are going to be able to provide good fantasy outlooks. Uh, but let's move into this Packers Lions game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, your MVP leading candidate. I will hear no other discussion at this point in time. Uh, it is Aaron Rodgers' MVP to lose right now. He has a favorable st- schedule down the stretch to be able to bolster that MVP resume. And uh, he add, he added to it this week with 290 yards and three touchdowns, and he four ran, total touchdowns, and he ran one in. So, uh, what are we doing with the Green Bay running backs? Are you at all concerned about Aaron Jones? Am I concerned about him? No, and it's because I think they're saving him for when the games matter most. I think so uh, as well. I think that they've been doing this all year. They like this, and this and isn't new. This, this goes, this goes back new. to the off season that this we knew this was to... going to happen. This goes back to when Aaron Jones first became the guy. They've always – Aaron Jones has usually gotten the majority of the carries unless he's having an off game and Jamal Williams is really rolling. But for the most part, Aaron Jones will get about two-thirds of the work. Jamal Williams will get the other third. This isn't new. So 15 carries for 69 yards, he was effective on those 15 carries, like 4.6 per. He didn't get a ton of passing work, two for six, uh, on, and he had a long of seven, so he had – a one for minus one he had three targets so i'm not concerned because i think that they're saving him i might be fantasy concerned but in terms of football concerned i think that he's still going to be good i think they'll use him heavily in the playoffs when the games are cold uh Devontae adams seven for 115 and a score on 10 targets That's his right. score was hilarious it's okay it went from he went from perfectly covered to wide open touchdown uh mbs six for 85 on six targets caught a touchdown Love to see it. Rip. That that turnaround. That was a good touchdown. Back shoulder. Well, the back the, the touchdown was great, and then that back shoulder catch he had was wildly impressive. The amount of body control and hand strength that he needed to make that play is exactly probably what the Packers saw in him when they drafted him in the fifth round. Uh, I think that uh, if he can continue to build on that confidence. Uh, you know, I saw some people, I don't think it's going to be this strong, but I saw some people draw comparisons to Devontae Adams and what he went through, and I don't think he's going to do that. But I do think that there's a path for Marquez Valdez-Scantley to be a very good NFL wide receiver. I've been saying it all year. I, I just think that he needs to get over this little mental streak that he's been on, and it looks like he might be starting to put it behind him. Now I want to see him continue to string the games together as opposed to have a good game, bad game, good game, bad game. I want to see him have several good games. Before we move on to the rest of the guys, I got just one question for you. How do you live with Marquez? Very easily. Five for 36 on five targets and a score for Robert Tunyon. Alan Lazard, two for 19 on three. Uh, EQ had one for 15 on one target. Tavon Austin got a little bit involved. It was nice to just see him kind of getting out there, getting snaps. Uh, he didn't get a ton of work. Uh, Matt LaFleur said in his Monday press conference that he needs to get Tavon more involved, uh, which kind of tells me I think Tyler Irvin's done for the year. Oh, he's um, on IR right now. and I don't think yeah, he, so he wouldn't come back until week one of the playoffs, I think. Yeah, so so Tavon's going to be the guy. Lafleur said he wants to get him more involved, but the but the best thing was he said that whenever anybody was making plays, there was no one louder on the sidelines. It's already his. It's already his start, and Tavon's just he's like no one ever comes in fresh and is that hype for everybody. And he said that just every single play he was loud, he was celebrating, and that's awesome. I love to see that Tavon's really trying to get in the flow of this team. This team has been all about celebrating each other all year. 
he's joining right in on that. Uh, nothing else to add on the Packers side for this for the for Detroit. Twenty four for thirty four for two hundred forty four yards and a score was Matt Stafford. Uh, Chase Daniel came in late after a uh, hit f- from Kenny Clark not not Stafford out of the game. Uh, he went three for six for twenty nine yards. Uh, DeAndre Swift seven for twenty four and a score. Carry on Johnson all has also had two catch two carries for three yards and a touchdown. Adrian Peterson didn't do anything four for seven. Uh, DeAndre Swift had four catches for 26 yards on five targets, so that was good. They threw the ball a lot in this game. Well, they were down the whole time. Uh, and so, you know, I want to talk about Daryl Bevel in this Lions offense because he, he was doing some really nice things. And people want to talk about how the Packers defense gave up 24 points to the Lions. This was a classic case of sometimes you just can't stop an efficiently running fundamental offense, and that's exactly what Stafford was doing. He was doing enough to keep this team in the game. Uh, if Stafford is unable to go... Every single Lions piece is going to take a huge downgrade moving forward, uh, and it looks like he might be out for a couple weeks. So they might just shut him down for the year, depending on what they want to do with Matt Stafford. There's no reason to rush him back. So uh, Matt Stafford had 24 of 34, 244, and a score in this game. Uh, other than that, I mean, Danny Amendola, 6 for 66 on 7. Marvin Jones didn't get a, didn't get in the end zone, uh, but he had 4 for 48 on 8. He caught that one. You know, I actually was watching that play, and I – I'm inclined to say his left foot came up off the turf when he when he was completing the catch. I think that if they had called it a catch on the field, I agree. I if don't was, think that there would. I don't think there would have been enough to wave it off. I agree. I think it could have gone either way. I, I think it was all because of what they called on the field, which that was a really that is an incredibly tough call. That is not one I'm going to blame a ref for in any way and in, in, in any capacity. And I'm very quick to point fingers at the refs. This was not one of those situations. That's an incredibly hard call to make on the field, uh, and uh, I, I think that they did the right thing by saying there was not enough evidence to overturn it. Um, I, of- I agree. I don't think that there was enough evidence. I just looking at it and looking at it live, like with the angles that we get, because obviously TV angles aren't always the best. Right. I th- I felt like it was a catch. Um, I was kind of surprised he didn't like. I was kind of surprised he didn't call it a catch on the field because it it looked good in real time uh, in the slow mo. Again, you're you're splitting hairs here. Uh, but it was it was so great the last thing I'll say the benefit not be a Packer killer for once. <laughs> it's true, almost was. But the benefit the benefit of playing on the turf like the Lions do is you can see the rubber pellets coming up when the foot is dragging. And the reason I say that the it was not a catch is because that you saw the pellets stop dragging. You saw the pellets stop appearing uh, when he went to complete the catch, which, which indicated to me his foot came off the ground. But neither here nor there. Very close play. Still an incredibly awesome play from uh, Marvin Jones. Too bad it didn't stand. Uh, he would have had a much better day, probably another two, two and a half points to his day. Uh, but still, four for 48 on eight is respectable. You hope he gets in the end zone, but that is, that's how you'll take that. So TJ Hawkinson, six for 43 and a score. He had a decent, he had a decent game. Uh, he was, he was really a mismatch problem for the Packers. They had, uh, they had some issues covering him, but I mean, obviously they were able to do enough to kind of contain him. Uh, Muhammad Sanu, for some reason, showed up in this game, uh, two for 37 and two, uh, two targets, but nothing else really to add about the Lions either. Yeah. No, um, again, and since this is kind of our last thing here, Quintez Cephas uh, remains a buy-low candidate for me. He is literally the only Detroit Lion receiver. Receiver, Obviously, TJ Hawkinson will be there. DeAndre Swift will be there. He is the only receiver under contract for next year. And if Kenny Galladay is gone, Quintez is the guy, whether you like it or not. He's a very talented player. And during his time at Wisconsin, he he was kicked off the team for a while and suspended because of uh, some – 
We're not going to get into those. We're not going to get into those. They ended up being false, which was awful, and it took away a lot of development and time from him playing at Wisconsin. So uh, there well, is room for growth. Jeffrey Akuda and uh, Sean Wade and maybe Damon Arnett all said that he was the most talented wide receiver they played all year. Yes, they did. I very well remember that comment because I was like, wow, that's quite quite an endorsement. Um, but that's going to do it for us for a week 14 review. There's only two weeks left. You have your semifinals and the championship week uh, if you're playing in week 17. Uh, why? Uh, but for the most part, week 16 is going to be where 99% of fantasy leagues are going to end. So good luck this week. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday evening for our live stream to go over any questions you might have leading into this week. Uh, there's going to be a lot of inf- information to, di- to digest, a lot of matchups to break down as usual. Uh, make sure you're keeping an eye out for our rankings, which come out Wednesday morning. This podcast comes out on Tuesday morning, so it'll be the following morning for you. Make sure you're checking out all the other content that Game on Wisconsin has to offer. Uh, click the little bell on YouTube to get the notifications there. Make sure you're liking, rating, subscribing on any podcast listening platform you have. Uh, let us know what we're doing, or how we're doing, I should say. Let us know what we can do better. And... Um, yeah, I think I think I went through everything there. Gage, do you have anything to add? I got nothing to add. Uh, glad to have you guys with us every step of the way. Uh, let us know what kind of content you want to see this offseason. Um, Tyler and I were talking before we got on here about the different stuff we're going to be bringing you in the next few weeks. And uh, I know that we're both uh, draft and dynasty guys, so we'll be bringing you that kind of content. So focus on our Twitter feeds because I'll be putting stuff out there every year during draft season. I typically do um, at least one or two, like, threads a week just breaking down full full players and i'll i'll be doing that again this year so just glad to have you guys along for the ride uh thank you for being here all year long if you've been here all year long because i know there's some of you out there uh and let us know on twitter uh, i know that like just let us know if you've been here since the beginning with us let us know yes exactly because the the OGs are uh, are obviously the best, so uh, make sure you're, make sure you're tuning in to uh, all the content that we have to offer, so you're getting the full picture of our conversations because we can't have the same conversation every day. So uh, the best way to get the entire picture is to be able to see it build up by listening to all of our content. But uh, let us know, like I like I said before, what we can do better, as Gage said, so we can. So we can deliver better content. And so uh, this offseason is going to be really exciting, especially the Game on Wisconsin, which has a ton of content planned for you. There is going to be no offseason for the Game on Wisconsin staff. So uh, make sure you're checking all that out. But uh, we'll let you go for today. So thank you again for tuning in. But until next time, go Pack Go.